If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, and we'll be reading together verses 41 through 52, verse 41 through 52 uh, from Luke chapter 2. Let us hear God's word this morning. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they had returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Well, we are uh, now in our third week of our greatest of all time, the GOAT series. And I know you think about the GOAT, you, think about, uh, you may think about basketball and folks like Michael Jordan or LeBron James. You may think about uh, race car driving and, of course, Dale Earnhardt, you know, and he was definitely the GOAT. But um, you, you think about who is the greatest of all time in different categories. Well, we're talking about how gr Jesus is the greatest of all time and if we are supposed to be Christians, which actually means the word Christ-like, then that means that we are wanting to be like Him. We are, that's who we're striving for. It's not to be like somebody else. It is to be like Jesus. And if He is the greatest of all time, we are striving to live in that way too. And so we've been talking about several things. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the greatest preacher. And, and we thought maybe it would be John the Baptist, or maybe it would be Dr. Billy Graham, or Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., or different ones. But we see that Jesus was the greatest preacher. Even John the Baptist says that I am nowhere as great as Him. And, and, and Jesus was the greatest preacher. We talked about because he always, uh, he always brought good news, and he always offered new life. And then last week, Pastor Kim talked about the greatest leader and what it means to lead. And we look at Jesus' leadership, and it's things like forgiveness, and it's things like service, and the greatest among them would be the ones that would serve. And then so today, we're going to look at uh, another great uh, aspect of Jesus and how he's the greatest, and we're going to talk about the greatest genius. Now, who comes to mind when you think about the word genius? I'm sure different 
ones would come to your mind. I, I think all, you know, you talk about geniuses throughout history. You think about Galileo, and, and he was the one that came up with the solar system or discovered the solar system. You may think about Leonardo da Vinci and how he was, uh, he was uh, an artist, and of course he, he, he drew uh, Mona Lisa, uh, or painted, not drew, but painted the Mona Lisa. But actually, I didn't realize this until uh, our research on this, is that he was also an engineer and also was behind the engineering of aeronautics that came up with, that led to the development of the helicopter, the diving suit, and a parachute. So Leonardo da Vinci was behind all of those inventions. Now, we may think of, uh, of genius as being able to cool, do cool things. In fact, here's a sp uh, picture of this guy in the 1930s that was able, to, uh, they called him the human owl. And he was actually able to turn his head all the way around. And, and, and actually, they said, other than some scoliosis, he had a normal body, but he just practiced and practiced till he got his head to turn all the way around. I don't know, that's kind of weird to me. But anyway, but, uh, but now also, of course, you think about genius, you may think of this guy. And, and y'all know who that is and, and, and how he was such a, a genius there. And uh, he was, of course, the one that gave us nuclear theory and all of that. And, and, uh, and so we think about geniuses. Some may not realize, but there was uh, Catherine Johnson, who was a genius in mathematics. Um, and uh, she was a mathematician. You may remember seeing uh, Hidden Figures, I believe it is, is the movie behind her and, and her mathematics that led to the first ever U.S. crewed space flight. Um, and, and she received the Congressional Medal of Honor. Uh, and then even before Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, who are sort of the seen as the, uh, as the uh, geniuses behind the computer world and all, um, we, we find somebody by the name of Grace Hooper, who was actually critical, uh, a critical computer programming uh, language. She wrote one of the first ones even before uh, Jobs or even before Gates came into or, or got into all of that. But um, anyway, uh, as we're going to talk about today, though, is that really if you think about the greatest genius or who the greatest genius would be, we see that even at 12 years old, Jesus had a lot going for him to become the greatest genius of all times. In fact, Luke chapter 2, verse 46 and 47, uh, and uh, says it like this. After three days, they found him. Now remember, Jesus, uh, his parents, and they, he's 12 years old. They go to the temple, and, and they are starting home. In fact, they're already a day's journey home. Now, they probably were with a big crew. I know, you know, we've got this picture of it just being Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, and how in the world did they get a day's journey down uh, down the road without Jesus being with them. But most likely it would have been an uh, extended family. It would have been a big crew going. And he was probably, they probably thought he was hanging out with all the kids and, and all. But anyway, a day later they figure out they have left Jesus behind. Lord have mercy. Do we do that sometimes? We just get caught up with life and we just leave Jesus behind. But, but, but anyway, they left Jesus behind. They figure it out. They go back and they find him 
at the temple actually teaching and listening. And, and look at what it says. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. It is obvious that Jesus already at 12 years old, was showing the signs of being the greatest genius of all time. Now, it's obvious that we would think that he's the genius because he's fully God, and, and of course, God is all-knowing. He's all those omnipresent, omnipotent, all those omni-words and sees all and knows all. But I want us to think about what characteristics made Jesus this genius at that time uh, early on. What were the characteristics of Jesus as a genius. Number one is this. It was wisdom. Now, we think about wisdom, and the Bible is full of wisdom. In fact, there are certain books known as the wisdom books, and, and they are uh, Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs and, and, and all. And, and we think about all of God's Word as being good uh, wisdom. And then you may think about who's the greatest in wisdom, and obviously Solomon would come to mind because Solomon actually wrote some of those wisdom books, uh, like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Psalms. Now, you know, I mean, Song of Songs or Songs of Song of Solomon. Now, now, I'll just go ahead and tell you, it's getting close to Valentine's Day. Song of Solomon is a great one. Uh, husbands and wives out there, spouses, I mean, read some Song of Solomon, put on some Barry White. Yep, that, anyway, for your spouse. Anyway, all right. But, but the thing is, is that Solomon was known as the wisdom guy. In fact, he was, uh, he was, you know, you remember the early story about Solomon's wisdom is uh, these two women came and, and Solomon was, uh, and they were both claiming to be the mother of a baby. And she said, that baby's mine. No, and the other one said, no, that baby's mine. And so Solomon said, I'll tell you what, here's what we'll do. We'll cut the baby in half, let you have half the baby, let you have half the baby. And of course, all of a sudden, the one who was the real mother said, no, let her have the baby. And Solomon, in his wisdom, knew that the real mother would never let that baby be cut in half, and she would give up the baby before she would allow the baby to be harmed. And so he said, this is the real mom, and gave the baby back to the proper mom. That's the kind of wisdom that Solomon had. But listen to what the Bible says about Jesus in relation to Solomon. In Matthew 12, verse 42, the queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with his, this generation and condemn it for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. Y'all hear that? Even a greater than Solomon. Even Solomon, with all his wisdom, with all his knowledge, with all the application of it, there is somebody greater than that. And we saw that with Jesus. He was constantly, uh, the, the Pharisees couldn't outsmart him. He was tripping them up. He would answer questions with questions, all kinds of things. Jesus was great in wisdom. Number two is this. Also, a characteristic of Jesus' genius was creativity. Now, there is no doubt that, that, you know, Jesus was present in creation. The Bible tells us that. It says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. And the Word was with God. And nothing that was created was created without Him. And, and, and so, He was there in creation. But, but also, he, he, he was creative in all of us. Every one of us. I mean, think about the human body. 
Think about what we talked about with the kids a while ago and, and how that, that God put together a body that, that spontaneously has these electrical impulses that causes our hearts to beat. It, 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 God set up a two-cycle pump. I mean, our hearts are a two-cycle pump, and, and that pumps blood in, then to the lungs, and then it's oxygenated, and then it back through the heart, and then out to the body. Think about all of that creativity that went into just us being created. And, and look at what Ephesians says about it. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And that word masterpiece in the Greek actually is uh, the same word that they use for poem. In other words, God is the great poet. And what we, we think of poetry, we think of creativity, hopefully. And, and he is the great poet, and he has put together a poem, and that poem is you. And every time we look at each other, we need to realize that we are his masterpiece. And his creativity is genius. And then also, Jesus' characteristics of, of genius is not only wisdom, not only creativity, but also memory. See, one thing that oftentimes is not thought about is the power of memory in the Bible. I mean, way in the Old Testament, you, you start hearing some of the first commands that God gives them is, remember how I brought you out of Egypt. Remember, set a stone here. In fact, that word that uh, we sing in the traditional service, uh, uh, come thou found of uh, every blessing, uh, and it talks about, now I raise my Ebenezer. And I remember singing that song early on and thinking, what does Ebenezer Scrooge have to do with this hymn? You know what I'm saying? Because that's the only Ebenezer I ever heard about. And, and, uh, and, but that, it, it, that, that Ebenezer is an Ebenezer stone. It's a stone of remembrance that they would set there to remind them of a victory or something that God had done. And so memory is so important all throughout the Bible. And what we see here is that Jesus has perfect memory. He remembers when you were created. He remembers what God has intended for you and the good things that you are created to be. He remembers this such a way in such a way that he wants to help us get there again and restore us unto that. And don't you remember that one thing, the thief on the cross, and Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise, but the one thing that the thief on the cross says to him he simply says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There is power with memory. And the only thing that Jesus says he will not remember is our sins. That's the only thing. And he says, I'm throwing them in the, from the, as far from the east as from the west. I'm throwing them in the sea of forgetfulness. And I heard one preacher say, and he said, and he, I'm going to put out a sign that says, no fishing. In other words, they are gone and never to be brought up again. So Jesus' genius is the wisdom, is the creativity, and the memory. Now, why do we need to know Jesus' characteristics of genius? What, what, what does that do to help us live for him and to live like him? And I want to tell you really quickly these two things that, that the reason we need to know. Number one is this. 
We were created in the image of God. We want to know the genius of Jesus and those characteristics because we need to understand that we were created in that same, in that same image. We were created with that genius that has been placed in up. Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 27 says this, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And if Jesus was a genius and we are created in, in his image, then that means there is some genius in us. In fact, I believe that genius was there in every one of us. And before the fall, that's what Adam and Eve were living in. They were living in full genius of creativity, of memory, of all those things. But the fall has messed it up for every one of us. And in fact, George Land was a, a, a guy that worked for NASA, and he had put together this genius test for NASA. And, and they decided they would do an experiment and give the genius test to kids. And so they gave it to five-year-old kids, and 98% passed of the five-year-olds passed the genius test. 98%. And it had, to do with me uh, it had to do with creativity and memory and all these things. And these kids, five years old, 98% of them passed the genius test. And, and so they gave them to the same kids five years later when they were 10 years old. And these same kids at 10 years old only... 30% passed the genius test. After five years earlier, 98%, only 30% of them passed it. Then uh, they gave it to them again five years later at age 15, and only 12% passed it. And then they gave it to them again as an adult, and did you know only 2% passed it? Now, what he came up with is this, is that George Land's conclusion is that non-creative behavior is learned. It's no wonder that Jesus says, unless you become as a little child and come to me, you cannot enter the kingdom of God, is it? Because there's something special about what we have, and it obviously means that somehow along the way, we lose that. I mean, think about it. Adam in the, in the garden named all the animals. He had perfect memory. He was able to name all the animals, alligator, giraffe, and, and I would have been more like him. I don't know if he just got bored and then ended up bat, cat, rat, you know what I mean? But anyway, but, but he was able to remember all of those names. But think about us. Our memory, I, and, and I know memory kind of as we get older goes away, but I think it's even more than that. Think about all the things. We, I don't have the memory that I used to have, and I don't believe it's because of my age. I believe it's because I rely more on technology now and less on my brain. I mean, I can think about it. I remember, I, I, you probably, and, and if you're over the age of 30 you, or 35, you probably remember actually having a landline at home. And guess what? We had to memorize our friends' numbers on the landline. And I can still remember some of my friends' phone numbers. I still remember who's now my wife. My girlfriend, Tina, I remember her number. I ought to get bonus points for that, right? Amen. And I remember her, her number and of her landline. Her mom and dad's number, and she was special. She had like a little extra personal number too. So anyway, and I remember that one too. But, but the thing about it is, but you know what? I don't know if I can remember my daughter's number right now. Because why? I've got it on my phone. And I just hit Alina. And so now I, there's something about the fact 
Now, it doesn't mean that we're, uh, it doesn't mean that we're like, as we get older, we get more sinful. But I do it mean, believe it means that so many times, as we think we have our own wisdom, we let go of the wisdom of God. We're created in that image. And that's the image he's trying to restore us to. And number two is this. Grace restores the genius of Jesus in us. It's grace that restores the genius of Jesus in us. It's grace. It's God's uh, justifying grace. Now, if you've been Methodist long or if you've been to Emmaus Walk or whatever, you, you know that God's prevenient grace is God's grace that comes before us. Then God's justifying grace is that grace that, that washes away our sin and forgives us. And then God's sanctifying grace is God's grace that is transforming us to be more and more like Christ. I believe that's the grace that is trying to restore the genius of Jesus in us. It's that grace that is trying to help us have the wisdom and the knowledge and the memory and the creativity that God instilled and inspired and first installed into our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says it like this, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And Paul would often ask rhetorical questions and then answer them, and that's what he does there. He says, who's able to have the mind of Christ? We can have the mind of Christ. But it's not on the level that we, the world has. It's on a whole other level that only God's grace can help us reach. There, there's a story that Erwin McManus tells about uh, this one whale, and, and, and it's called the loneliest whale in the world. And, you know, most whales, almost all whales, uh, they, they communicate at a certain frequency, and it's actually at 40 hertz. And, and so, you know, uh, the, the one whale, I mean, they, the, and at that frequency, they're able to communicate with each other. They're able to say, hey, come on over here. There's food over here. Hey, come on. We're gathering here. Party at so-and-so's house. No, not, not that. But anyway, they're able to say all those things, or they're able to communicate at 40 hertz. But there's this one whale, there's this one whale that they found was talking at 52 hertz. And that whale was not able to communicate with the others, and the others were not able to communicate in fullness with that whale. And he said, here's what usually happens, is that Jesus is operating at a 52 hertz, and the world is operating at 40 hertz. And many times what happens is, is that we get caught up in the world and at the 40 hertz in such a way that we can't know what God's doing, that we can't see where He's at work. But if we will allow the grace of God to just take us up a few hertz, if we'll allow the grace of God to restore in us that creativity, to restore in us that wisdom, I mean, how many of you know that some of the stupidest things we've done as sin were just simply us not using wisdom? Amen? 
wasn't that we woke up one morning and say, I think I'm going to sin like this today. No, it was just, duh. And it's because we're operating at 40 hertz whenever God's grace wants to raise us to 52 hertz. And I want to see what Jesus sees. I, I want to do what Jesus wants me to do. I want to be all that he wants me to be. And so I want God's grace to restore that genius in our lives. And this morning, we are the masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. And we don't, and, and he says, I, I've, I've done you for the good works for the future good works that you can do. And, and here's the good news. He, he wants to do that in every one of our lives. Not so that we can excel for ourselves, that's narcissism, but so that we can do what God has called us to do. And I don't care how young or how old we are, He has planted the creativity, the wisdom, and the memory in our hearts and lives for us to be all that we can be for him. Let's pray for God to restore the genius of Jesus in us. Let us pray. Lord, right now, we thank you and we love you. Maybe there's somebody that's watching this morning or in this house that just, they know that what you've created them to do or who you've created them to be They've not been living up to the 52 hertz. Lord, I pray that you help us all. That we won't get caught up in the 40 hertz of the world. But Lord, we will, by your grace, begin to be and do what you've called us to do. So that you can plant your majesty and your glory in our lives. Lord, for anybody that may be watching that for whatever reason just says, I've never made a commitment. I've never invited you into their lives. Lord, I pray that right now, right where they are, that they'll simply just say this prayer, Lord, forgive me. Work in my life. Come and live inside of me. I want to live for you. Lord, we pray right now that your grace will abound in our hearts and our lives so that we can restore, be restored to the genius that you have intended for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.